this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK Show. On the Relax Back UK Show, we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Hi, and thank you for joining me, Mike Dilt, with the Relax Back UK Show. Long COVID is now affecting a lot of people. I've spoken to sufferers on the show and enough to know that it is really horrible with a lot of very varied symptoms. We can say it's definitely respiratory muscle training is a really good idea if you have persistent long COVID symptoms. Today I speak with Dr. Nina Balsek about one method that really does seem to allay some of the symptoms. It is respiratory muscle training. Then I'm doing an experiment on myself training my breathing muscles to see if that has any other positive effects. Most of, most of us, we are chest breathers. You know, we breathe up here because we are constantly stressed. We're constantly running. We're constantly in the fight and flight mode. We breathe up here. We don't use the diaphragm anymore. I'm currently using the breather device. It's a device to try and make you breathe with your diaphragm. And I sometimes suffer from a kind of a weird kind of anxious breathing. And I also have high blood pressure. I'm halfway through the program, so I'll report back in a later show. But my first thoughts are that it does seem to be helping with the breathing. So please do stay tuned for a fantastic show. Thank you. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Apples and pears, beef and skittles, cider with Rosie, common or garden, ant and deck, fish and chips, mum and dad. UK Health Radio and Health Triangle magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at ukhealthradio.com. Strawberries and cream. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. The station that makes you feel good. I enjoyed chatting with Dr. Nina Balsak. She's CEO of Luft for Life and the chief scientist at PN Medical. I started off the chat by asking what sort of doctor she is. Well, it's actually a PhD, but because I've done my, my degree in Austria, it's called Doctor Rerum Naturalis, so Doctor of the Natural Sciences. Okay. So I, I am allowed to call myself a doctor, but it's not an MD, it's a PhD. Okay, no, right, I get it, I get it. That's important. It's, it's the same in the UK. If you have a PhD, you can call yourself doctor. Yeah, yeah I've, done, right. I've done a lot of my postdoc career in the UK, so um, um, that was all right there as well. So, but yeah. I am actually a geneticist by trade, so I did genetics originally. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, we might touch on that. You never know during, during, our, during our chat. But what I really want to uh, ask you about is this um, 
device called the breather. Now, a while ago, actually, you, you were on the show and we were talking about it, but that was a while ago. So I think it's probably good to start off with just a little bit of a recap on really what the breather is. Sure. Um, so the breather is a little handheld breathing device. It's, you know, round about the size of a mobile phone. So you can have it in your hand, you can have it in your pocket. And what you do is you breathe in and out through the device and you set the resistance for inhale and for exhale. Now, what that does is it puts a workload on the breathing muscles. So it is a little bit like resistance training or weight training for any other muscle, just that you're training your breathing muscles. All right, so your so main breathing muscle is the diaphragm, which sits underneath your rib cage. So the diaphragm is a massive muscle. It separates the thoracic cavity from the abdominal cavity. And this is the main muscle that pulls down the, lung, the lungs as you breathe in, as you inhale, to open up your lungs and give them lots of volume. All right. And this is the main muscle that's exercised, but also all the other accessory breathing muscles that sit around the ribs and also at the larynx that are used for speech and swallow. So I can imagine, actually, there, there are a lot of muscles that this thing trains. Yes, it's a lot of different muscle groups, actually. And because... Yeah. Um, we believe in training both parts, the inspiratory and the expiratory part of, of breathing. There are several devices out there that do either or, that only train the inspiratory or the expiratory muscles. But because it's a balanced system, system we have always believed that it is better to train both parts of the system. And these okay. are loads of different uh, muscles with loads of different functions. Yeah, all right. So it, essentially it's a training device. And it's been around for a while, I think, hasn't it? What what was it actually developed for? Yeah, it has been. It, it was the original um, respiratory muscle trainer. It was developed more than 40 years ago, 1980, by um, a woman called Peggy Nicholson. Hence, the company is called PN Medical. Uh, she was a respiratory therapist in uh, Orlando, in Florida. And she was working with COPD patients. And she noticed that their main um, issue is the dyspnea, this shortness of breath that right. can be really debilitating, especially in COPD, in heart failure, where you have the shortness yeah, just of breath, remind everything, me what every activity is. of daily living becomes a burden, walking up the stairs. COPD stands for chronic obstructive pulmonary. Okay, all right. And that, that covers quite a wide range of issues, I think, doesn't it? That covers quite a quite range of issues. It's a, pro a progressive and chronic disease. It comes in different subtypes. It often comes with emphysema, but this shortness of breath, the symptoms um, are similar across the different subtypes. So this is why it's kind of under this umbrella term of COPD. And the okay. biggest is issues are really that uh, the, you then use your, you lose your exercise tolerance. So you tend to not move around that much anymore but just because you don't get any more air, any more breath. Yeah, okay. So it was developed to help and these people. And this is people. what you notice. Yes, it has been developed to help these people because what you can do for dyspnea, for shortness of breath, is you can have uh, bronchodilators or inhalers, and they work um, for a little while. So you essentially open up the airways that you get more air in and relieve the symptoms a little bit. Um, but it's not a long-term solution. It doesn't address the underlying problem. And the underlying problem is really that your respiratory muscles are not up for the job. The respiratory demand is higher than the, the, the work that the respiratory muscles can do. So she pretty much single-handedly developed a device 
that trains the respiratory muscles. And that was the original breather. And wow. that's been in the clinic for more than four, four decades now. So okay. it has been, has been around for a long time. So it, it's, it's, it's proven, you know, it's, it's a proven device that has helped a lot of people already. I was wondering, yeah, it helps people that are, are, are ill have COPD. Can it help people that want to actually sort of make themselves fitter and stronger? Can it help athletes? Uh, sure, um, it can. This is um, this is something that we started to looking into like around about seven, eight years ago. Um, and a lot of uh, groundbreaking work for this has also come from the UK, um, from a, a woman called Alison McConnell. She's a researcher at Cambridge. And she was working with a device that only does inspiratory muscle training. But still, what she could show in athletes and what we have shown as well, that if you haven't trained your respiratory muscles in isolation, then there's always a gain. There's always a benefit that you will notice just because you train them like you have never trained them before. If you exercise, you, of course, exercise your breathing muscles as well. But this is not as much as you would put as if you put on an extra resistance. It's a little bit like when you walk, you use your leg muscles, but when you squat with weights, you train your thigh muscles totally differently. So it's, it's no. kind of like that. And if you train them, if you haven't trained them before, you will see a gain. Okay. No, I, so, I, I get it. Um, yeah, we have yeah. done, we've worked with different athletes who are very fit. So some of the studies that we've done with athletes are very fit people. Um, was, for example, we did a, a, a pilot study with um, fighter pilots in the Netherlands, the Royal Dutch Air Force. And they, you know, they are among the fittest people on the planet. They are put in a human centrifuge and they're spun up to 9G. You know, it's an immense stress on the body. And but what happens when you go into... Um, into um, this high G-force level is that you really need your breathing muscles to work because they have to work against these forces to actually keep you upright, keep the lungs upright and keep the air coming in. And they get really tired while they're doing this. So training them up before you go into the centrifuge or before you go into combat is really, really important. And we started um, working with them. We did a four-week uh, study with them using the Breather Fit. This is the same device as the breather, but it has a stronger resistance. So this is our device for athletes. And we saw really nice results that they were able to sustain the high G forces much easier afterwards. Okay. So there's That's... always a little bit of gain. Yeah, very, very interesting. And so you, and you've been looking at other uh, uses for this thing. And so recently you've done a, a large study, which is at kind of still ongoing a little bit. What what was the objective of that? Um, I, think, I think what you're referring to is our post-COVID study. Um, that was that's the biggest study that we have ever done. We have done several studies, you know, in, in, in COPD, in, in then selected military personnel, athletes, um, other diseases. But because COVID has been, is such a huge issue everywhere now, and long COVID has really come out as one of the biggest health problems probably for the coming decades, we started kind of looking into this. Um, because again, you know, respiratory problems are a major part of this. So what we what we wanted to know was um, in people who have had COVID, this was not specific for long COVID because we wanted to include also people who have no symptoms. But we did a large scale study. We in included 2000 people who have had COVID. Um, the study was done completely remote. 
So it's only app-based. The Breather comes with an app called the Breather Coach. So people would enroll, they would be sent a free device, and then they did the entire study via the Breather Coach app. And we did a baseline survey, a midpoint survey, and a final survey. Um, and the study ran for two weeks, and they did respiratory training uh, with the breather. We had nine different treatment groups because we wanted to see, you know, how much training is really good for this population. What protocol is the best protocol? Um, bit of a spoiler, we don't have the final <laughs> answer to this now. Um, but because the study has just finished now and the last participants are still kind of finishing up. But we got a few glimpses that were really, really interesting so far. All right. Well, uh, tell us about some of the glimpses, if you can. Yeah, sure. Um, so looking, just looking at the participants. So this is kind of data from the first 700 that have completed because it takes a while to look at the data as well. So. Um, as I said, it wasn't a specific long COVID study, but uh, about 75% of the participants did actually have ongoing symptoms. So that's kind of what we were expecting, because who is going to do a study like this? Those that still have persistent symptoms. Okay. Um, the, the, the average age of the participant was about 53. So it wasn't too old. You know, we're not talking, you know, really elderly people here. So it was pretty much... Uh, middle of the life. Um, what we also found is, and that was really interesting, the most common underlying conditions. So the conditions that they had before they had COVID. And the most common ones were asthma, hypertension, and sleep apnea. So this, you know, of course, we can't say this is a, if you have this, you're more likely to get long COVID. But these were the ones that we found um, most commonly. And, um, and these people then, were self-selected. They they volunteered to get involved. Yeah, they volunteered. It's totally self-selected. The yeah. only the only inclusion criteria really was that they hadn't done respiratory muscle training before, and they had had COVID, and they were they were past the acute stage. Right. So anything else is we took in everyone, just mm -hmm. because because with such a large number, we really wanted to ask the big big questions and be totally unbiased. Um. Then what was interesting, what we already know, is that the, that the most common symptoms that they still had were fatigue and weakness, shortness of breath. Um, so these were the most common ones. They were in over 70% of the people. But okay. more than half um, still had brain fog, headaches, and cough. So these were the most persistent symptoms. And some of these people, the range is pretty wide. So some of them had had COVID like a month or two ago, but some of them had COVID more than a year ago. Right. So these are symptoms that linger on for a very long time. Yeah. And this is why they're so important to look at, look at those. Um, so, and the other thing that we know, that was looking probably at the first 500 people, we looked at all the outcomes. So what we wanted to know is, do your symptoms get better? Um, are you getting fitter? We, we had two um, assessments in the app as well. One of them is a sit to stand test. So you stand up from a chair for a minute and you count how often you can do this. And the other one is a maximum phonation time where you hold a vowel for as long as you can. So this gives an indication of how strong your airflow is, how strong your breathing muscles are. And these oh, are the sorry, two say that one, So you're like, you're singing, are you, essentially? Um, well, some people sing like this. I probably do. So essentially what you do is you have to take, take, take a deep breath in and then you just go, ah, uh, okay. for as long as you can. 
right. So you just hold one tone yeah. as long as you can. So just so that we get an, an idea of, of how big your airflow is. And this correlates really nicely with, uh, with uh, your, max, your breathing strength um, or your peak expiratory flow. That's kind of a, a right. measurement of your, of your respiratory muscle strength. So, so because all, all we can't the be there that, and measure every person. So these are parameters that you can do yourself. Right. That's, that's what I was going to ask. So, so all, all the people that uh, participated in this, they, they, they did these tests uh, themselves and kind of filled in a form to, for you to get the results. No, you do it all in the app. Right. So okay. you, you see, actually, you, you get shown how it is done. And then you have a counter and then you have to put in the number. Sure. You enter the number. How many sit to stand uh, could you do in one minute? You enter yeah. the number. But we show you exactly how it's done with a, with a little video in the app. And then the um, same for the maximum phonation time. You get an explanation video and then you do it yourself. Yes. Okay. Excellent. And we just so, so there's, yeah. So there's, there's a good chance people are doing the things correctly, really. Yes. They're very easy. You know, these are two tests that, you know, they have been validated before. They can be done easily at home. Right. So... The, here's the big question then. So generally speaking, I know you haven't got all the results yet, so it's kind of a bit hard, but I'm, I, I'm just keen to know, did, did people improve? Were their lives made better? Generally speaking, yes. Um, what we saw that was really nice is we can't compare the training groups against each other, but taking all the training groups together and looking at before versus after, all the outcomes that we looked at improved. And these were, you know, the, the outcomes that I just spoke about, the sit-to-stand test, maximum phonation time, but also the questions are, is how does your breathing affect your health? Is your breathing getting better? Does your breathing affect your activities of daily living? Do you sleep better? You know, we had loads of questions about respiratory health, about overall health, about COVID symptoms, also about the quality of life. So, because this is really the reduction in quality of life is what makes long COVID so burdensome yeah. and we just wanted to know you know how's your happiness how's your well-being do you does your health affect you uh, we asked lo loads of questions like that and overall um we got an improvement between 15 and 35 percent for each outcome okay. so what and we can say is definitely respiratory muscle training is a really good idea if you have persistent long covid symptoms and th well the, the thing that uh, kind of surprises me is you said that this this test was just over two weeks. Did I hear that correctly? Four weeks. Four weeks. Okay. So it does take four weeks. Yeah. But even so, if you know, if you're looking at a training program, you know, if you're an athlete and you're looking to, I don't know, run a half marathon or or anything, a four week training program is actually not very long. So it does seem that you're getting results quite quickly. That is true. And I think because compared to a normal training program, we have a double benefit because the important thing when you use the breather is that you have to do diaphragmatic breathing. So diaphragmatic breathing is how babies are born. Babies are born with diaphragmatic breathing. This is our most natural way of breathing. You use your diaphragm, your main breathing muscle. Most of the people, even, you know, the fighter pilots that I looked at, most of most of us, we are chest breathers. You know, we breathe up here because we are constantly stressed. We're constantly running. We're constantly in the fight and flight mode. We breathe up here. We don't use the diaphragm anymore. We don't want to stick out our belly, you know. Loads of reasons, but we have this, a dysfunctional breathing pattern. So 
before you start the breather, and this comes in the app with training videos, with constant reminders, you have to be able to diaphragmatically breathe. And just by doing this twice a day, you get a really big benefit for your autonomic nervous system, for your digestion, for your heart rate, for your blood pressure. You know, just doing that with or without the breather actually is a, an, an added benefit to the intervention that we did. So it's not only the training, it's also the, the breathing aspect that also triggers a lot of uh, mental benefits. You know, diapha diaphragmatic breathing puts you in a parasympathetic nervous system again. Um, so you lower your stress levels, you return, you lower your blood pressure, you lower your heart rate, you lower your respiratory rate, and you just get back to a calmer state. So it's actually a double benefit, I think, that we are seeing in these results. This, this is very interesting because, okay, so actually, I personally, I suffer from high blood pressure, high blood pressure. So I've been doing all the things that the doctor's been telling me to, you know, more exercise, less alcohol, you know, all these things. And it's been working to some extent. But I've never heard of this idea of using your diaphragm more to breathe. Uh, it hasn't been mentioned so far. This sounds like I'm missing something. Yes, this is something that is missing, actually. There, there have been two um, very important studies that came out over the last years showing that respiratory muscle training reduces blood pressure by about 9 millimeter mercury. So this is the same effect size that you get with a blood pressure pill. Yeah. And this is by diaphragmatic breathing, you know. It has a massive effect. It's just kind of ignored. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Know? Right, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to remember that. I'm going to store that in the back of my mind and think about that. And maybe I should start using the breather myself. But I, I, I think, think this moves should. on to an, a, a, another question. Because uh, it's in some of the literature that I've seen, I did a little bit of homework before uh, we spoke, uh, Nina. And in, in some of the literature, I've seen this phrase, um, I'm just looking at it, the autonomic nervous system. Now, um, what is that? And how does, um, how is it affected by COVID and how can the breather help? So the autonomic nervous system. So it's part of your peripheral nervous system. Um, and it, this is responsible for a lot of involuntary physiological processes like heart rate, like respiratory rate, like uh, blood pressure, like digestion, like well, arousal state. It's as simple state. as breathing. I mean, you don't have to remember to breathe. You just do it. Exactly. I mean, breathing is the a, is a, a same for, the, for your heartbeat. You know, your, your heart just beats. And your heart responds, A, to your breathing pattern, but also so, to the exercise you do. You know, the whole thing that your heart starts pumping more blood as you start walking up a hill um, is all regulated by the autonomic nervous system. But also the problem is it also reacts to stress. You know, if I'm thinking about a deadline, my heart rate speeds up. This is the unhealthy part of it because the deadline is does actually not deadly. Um, <laughs> this is what my, or it shouldn't be. Doesn't quite understand. Shouldn't be. Most of the time, it's not. Um, so yeah, but generally, it, it regulates these involuntary processes, and it comes it, and it comes in two parts. It's a sim oh, actually in three parts: the sympathetic, the parasympathetic, and the enteric uh, nervous system. So we leave aside the enteric because that's kind of the part that's responsible for digestion. But the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. This is where. These need to be tightly regulated. This is where our arousal state comes from. This is the fight or flight response 
is the sympathetic nervous system. If we go, if we have high stress levels, if we prepare to fight a lion, then the whole body reacts, you know? Uh, we're shutting off our digestion, actually. Um, we are increasing the heart rate. We are increasing the respiratory rate. We start breathing more. We start fueling the mus muscles with, with oxygen because we expect to fight or to run. So the body is really gearing up for this. Whereas normally, if we relax during the night, we are in the parasympathetic nervous system. You know, we are metabolizing, we are digesting, you know, everything's calmed down, heart rate goes down, breathing rate goes down, blood pressure goes down. We're calm and relaxed and the sympathetic nervous system, the autonomic nervous system really needs this to recover. Mm -hmm. So the whole body is in healing mode, in recovery mode. Um, and if this balance is um, get thrown off, this is where the problems arise. So we know that stress, for example, puts us in, in puts us in the wrong balance. We can't sleep anymore. When we sleep, we can't recover. You have insomnia because your sympathetic nervous system doesn't shut off during the night. But we also see this in disease, and long COVID is one of them. But it's also um, been shown in other chronic diseases that have been around for a long time, like Epstein-Barr virus, Lyme disease, mm -hmm. um, chronic fatigue is is um, you know one of the symptoms of that. That's because you're never recovering overnight. It's you're always in the sympathetic nervous system. So it's just a, a thing that the balance is slightly off. And this really has massive consequences for your health and for your no. physiological and mental well-being. But if, if the balance is slightly off, you're saying this this can potentially affect your breathing because the breathing is controlled by this uh, nervous system that we don't necessarily have to think about. So does it then work the other way around? So if you concentrate on your breathing, so if, if you're stressed and your breathing is not quite as it should be, if you do some work on the breathing, will that make you less stressed? That seems a little bit too simple. But it is exactly like this because it's a, it's a vicious circle because if we're, if we're stressed, our breathing rate goes up, our heart rate goes up. But also if our heart rate goes up because we are in a dysfunctional breathing pattern out of a habit, we actually feed into the sympathetic nervous system. So it is a two-way street. It's not that the stress is first and then the breathing rate goes up because it's been such a habit in many, many people to shallowly breathe like this, you know, all up here in the shoulders and in the chest. You know, we're shallow breathers. We hyperventilate very often. Uh, we mouth breathe. We don't mouth breathe anymore. And all of this tells our nervous system there's danger. And then, of course, this is enhanced. It's a, it's a positive right. feedback loop, you know. And you can really break this feedback loop by consciously working on your breathing because the breathing is involuntary of course we yeah. don't stop breathing when we fall asleep but we can consciously work on our breathing we can slow down the breathing rate we can change the breathing pattern we can work on diaphragmatic breathing positional breathing there are so many things that we can do and this then feeds back into the nervous system telling our body we are not in grave danger there's no danger around there we don't need the stress levels to be up we can actually relax and this, this is you know, very, this is very interesting. And so I, I, I'm not on purpose sort of bringing the uh, discussion back to me all the time. But <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you kind of a, a little story. So I, I've, I've been married a, lo a long time. I've been married um, 27 years, I think. And just, before, thank you, just before I was going to get married, literally the week before, I had this feeling that I couldn't get enough air into my body. I was feeling like I needed to yawn more. 
And I, so I went to the doctor and described what was happening, what was going on. And he said, look, what's happening in your life at the minute? So I said, well, look, in about a week's time, I'm going to get married. And then in two weeks after that, we're going to uh, go to America to live. And so he said, look, I think I know what the problem is. You know, there's a lot going on. So we kind of left it at that. But I, I have noticed at some times in my life, this kind of feeling of not being able to get enough air in creeps back every so often. And, and then it goes again. So you think I might, if I do some breathing exercises, we might be able to sort of get at the stress from the other direction. Yeah, I think the first thing would really to look at, there's always the best way to start, is kind of just try to observe yourself without observing yourself. You know, it's really hard. But just kind of when you're relaxed, you know, you have to, or get someone else, get your wife to observe your breathing pattern. When you're relaxed, when you're watching TV, where do you breathe? Do you breathe up in your chest or do you breathe down in your belly? And this is, the, this right. is where you need to start to actually see how dysfunctional your breathing is. And then consciously try to uh, go to diaphragmatic breathing, bring your breathing back into your belly and that your chest should remain as still as possible. And if you do this for two weeks, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, that's what we call the breathing reset because it takes that long for your body to realize, oh, we can breathe like this and we are fine. Because your body has been in this constant stress situation where it always says, no, no, we can't relax. We have to be ready. We have to be ready. And your brain doesn't believe you anymore that it's that you can relax. You know, there's you probably noticed this. It takes you a long time in holiday to actually wind down and relax. Mm. And this is exactly it because your, your mind keeps telling you, no, we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. And if you do this for two weeks, 10 minutes morning, 10 minutes evening to just breathe into your diaphragm at, you know, a constant rate, five seconds in, five seconds out, or four seconds in, six seconds out, even better, because that slows down your heart rate a little bit more, then at some point your body goes, okay, we can actually breathe, breathe like this, it's effective, and we don't die. This is actually good. Okay. And then well, I, I, again. I, I think I, I'm going to try that. So let, let's just take it away from me again. That was slightly selfish. And back back to kind of how... how uh, this kind of approach can help people with with long COVID. Um, so there are, there are lots of symptoms associated with long COVID. So a, apart from the kind of the shortness of breath, if you do these sort of breathing exercises, can it help any of the other symptoms? Do you think? Have you noticed that? It can help um, many of the other because what we've actually done is while we're still analysing the big study, we actually took in another. Um, 12, 13 people with definite defined long COVID symptoms um, and worked on them in a bit more individual way uh, mm -hmm. because we wanted to know whether the whole method is effective. I think we can say it is. We'll find out how effective it is and everything, but we can say it is. And now we're trying to figure out what is actually the best way to improve this, how we, can we fine-tune it that it's really most beneficial for long COVID patients and what can we really see? What outcomes do we see? And what we found is that exactly this, the breathing reset is actually a big part of um, the approach now. So we actually tell the people now to start diaphragmatic breathing first before they start respiratory muscle training. So we've extended it a bit to a six-week program. And we do see that um, other symptoms, such as the fatigue, 
the weakness, uh, the anxiety, they get reduced. Sleep gets better as well. Um, because the more the, the breathing regulates to get into your parasympathetic nervous system improves your sleep pattern again because insomnia is also a really big part of long COVID mm-hmm. um, and anxiety and depression because you're getting out of this constant stress response that your body um, produces in response to all the symptoms that you have and you get out of this and you actually you you get relaxed you can relax a little bit more and anxiety is really central issue of long COVID because it's so long, it's so unknown, it's so underrecognized, underserved, really. This population oh. is in despair. I'm working with a lot of long COVID patients. We're looking at the forums, at the self-help groups, at the Facebook groups. Because you're you're circling through different symptoms, you might have renal symptoms, you might have skin symptoms, you might have um yes, the dysautonomia, the imbalance of the of the autonomic nervous system is very common, but it might disappear for a while and you might get a rash or hair loss or immense brain fog or you can't sleep for three weeks so you're circling through these symptoms and no one really can help you um so just kind of giving you a, a central anchor to work on something that you can work on it's not going to get rid of all the symptoms it's not going to help with the hair loss to be fair but you know it can reduce the anxiety around it, around it and the thing is long covid is in itself not a fatal disease you know it but we see more and more suicides this is the issue if you if you have been unable to work if you have been probably unable to get out of bed for a year or two you are at the point where the quality of life is so low that you may not want to go on anymore so just regaining some of the some of your quality of life again and reduce this depression and anxiety that comes with this might really help quite a lot of people so, so Nina, I mean, I mean, it really seems that breath training can help people with long COVID and all sorts of things, actually. You know, as we, we, we've hit upon me as, as an example, um, and uh, I'm going to start taking this a bit more seriously. But sort of what, what got us into this was uh, COVID and long COVID. Now, what I'm wondering is, in, in short COVID, when people die, uh, it's generally, or I think all the time, it's because of their, their lungs and they, they can't breathe. So would something like this be useful be useful in, you know, the first instance of, of getting COVID? Um, that's a, that is a really good question. Um, in the acute stage, as you say, the what is what normally causes death, especially in the, you know, the early stages, Delta variant, unfortunately, with Omicron, the, the, the casualties have gone down a little bit, but it was that the lungs essentially kind of dissolved um, because there are many things that are not clear what's happening during those stages. But what happened is that the the, the endothelial or the airways as well as, well as the, the blood vessels, they got leaky. And really what, what you would see is that the alveoli, the little um, bubbles at the bottom of your lungs where the gas exchange takes place, they essentially dissolved. They, the gas exchange wasn't taking place anymore. So you tried to breathe, but nothing happened. The air wouldn't get down there. And if it got down there, the oxygen wouldn't get into the blood. Um, so that's essentially the lung collapse that people died from. And essentially, they suffocated in a, in a horrible way. Um, during this stage, respiratory muscle training doesn't do anything. No. Because during this stage, the people can't breathe, you know. Yeah. But 
Um, we, we actually did a webinar with a researcher called Rich Severin, and he had a really good point. He made the point that if you train up your respiratory muscles before a respiratory infect, you know, this could be COVID, this could be flu, uh, this could be RSV, what is re which is really going around now, respiratory syncytial virus. Um, if you train up your respiratory muscles beforehand, you may just have a little bit more bandwidth to not actually get to mechanical ventilation. Because what has also been shown that those that have been on mechanical ventilation, their prognosis was really worse than if you didn't get mechanical ventilation. Sure. So if you train up your respiratory muscles, um, if the flu is going around before flu season, you know, you have a, you you are you train them up to 120% from where you where you normally are, then you have 20% more leeway before you actually collapse, before you get to the point where you need yeah. oxygenation, where you need to go to hospital, where you need the mechanical ventilation. So as a preventive measure, that might actually be a good idea. And also, if you have stronger breathing muscles, you have a better cough effectiveness, you have better pulmonary hygiene. So when you, respiratory muscles always attack at the upper airways, you breathe them in. This is why we had to wear all the masks and everything, you know, they attack in your upper airways. If your upper airways are strong, they're not collapsed, they're really nice and wide, they have a clean mucous membrane, the immune system in the upper airways can actually function properly and try to catch the first viruses that are coming in. So you can reduce, reduce the infection rate and you can potentially delay or avoid the very severe stage of then going into hospital and getting mechan mechanical ventilation. Right. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense because generally speaking, fitter people if they've got COVID, they've done much better. So it's, it's an extension of that really, isn't it? They have done much better. If you generally say fit and healthy people, yes. However, also in the athletes, the high achievers were the ones, that's kind of a, 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 um, something that we see in long COVID. The high achievers are the ones that are more prone to getting long COVID. Yes, we've seen you know people with asthma, hypertension, blood, uh, sleep apnea as well. But generally speaking, it's those that are where the, where the autonomic nervous system is on go all the time, whether they are professional athletes, whether they are um, moms with a job and, you know, having five jobs at a time. Yeah. It's a female uh, dominance. You know, those that have a constant uh, stress level are really the ones that are more prone for long COVID. Okay. Oh, that's, a, that's interesting. All right. So because you can be fit and be stressed at the same time. I suppose that's what you're saying you can be yeah because you know in professional athletes they are on the go all the time as well you know so it is really um, a work-life balance what of course a, a healthy lifestyle is the best prevention for any disease you know if you if you have exercise if you get fresh air if you're breathing if you breathe properly but also your mental state you know can you do this in a calm way is your autonomic nervous system really in balance do you sleep well do you recover during night that those things make a big difference Okay, interesting. When I have people on that, that talk about sort of um, medical devices or, or treatments, that sort of thing, um, I often like to ask them about um, side effects. But th this is this is kind of interesting in as far as the breather goes. Um, well, tell me. I mean, are, are there any side effects? I mean, the point is, it's not you're not taking a pill. You're not you're not taking any medication. Yeah, there are no hidden side effects. You know, it's not something that will hit you. What can happen if you're, if you have never done respiratory muscle training before and you do the breather, you take 10 breaths, um, which is the starting standard protocol 
two times 10 breaths, mornings and evenings. If you do this, you might get lightheaded, you know, the rush of blood to the brain, sudden oxygen overload. You know, you might get lightheaded, you feel a bit dizzy, you know, take a break, calm down, start again. It's something that your body needs to get used to. Um, other than that, there have been no side effects. If you do uh, stick to the protocol, you don't do anything stupid. If you, the only thing that we always advise against is don't do it in the acute stage of any infection. You know, if you have acute pneumonia, no, your lungs are already busy. Don't put any workload on the system right now. You know, that's not the right time to do that. Um, uh, and the other thing um, is you can, it is very hard, but you can fatigue your respiratory muscles. So if you're a professional athlete, you've had a really hard competition, take the next day off, you know, let your breathing muscles recover. Mm-hmm. If you're a fighter pilot, you've just been in the centrifuge three times, take a break, take a break, take a day off, you know, your respiratory muscles have been working. So it's hard to get them to, fatigue, to the fatigue level, but of course we don't want to do this. So this could happen, but general side effects like a medication, no, you don't have this with the breather. No. Okay, so I mean that that's that is a big bonus. This has to be a big bonus in anyone's book, doesn't it? It is a big bonus because you know you, it can't harm. That's always that's always the good stuff, you know. If, as long as you do it sensibly and don't stick it in your eye, <laughs> it can't <laughs> harm. Yeah, don't stick it up your nose. Yeah. <laughs> so look, I mean this, this this is very interesting, and I'm I'm sure. I, well, I, I myself I want to look a bit more into it, but if people are listening to this and think all right this could help me or could help someone in my family what have you i want to find out a bit more about it um just mention a, a, a good source that people can go to and have a look so um you know probably a website yeah there are two two sources so the makers of the breather are pn medical so their website is pnmedical.com and you get all the evidence all the webinars all the background data if you're in in the uk and you're interested in buying one or learning more about it, or chatting to one of us, then go to luftforlife.com, L-U-F-T-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com, Luftforlife, um, and you can find um, the resources there, what, the, the different devices that we have. There are three different uh, breather devices right now, and also if you've got any questions, you can send us an email at info at luftforlife.com, and we'll get back with you, or you can give us a call. That sounds very good. And one further thing, which, again, I always like to ask people is independent evidence or papers that have uh, been published and peer reviewed. Are there any links to to some of those so that it's it's, you know, people can see that it's been looked at by people other than PM Medical? Um, This is they are. I mean, you can go on the PubMed uh, website if you go to the PubMed website and look for my name. (laughs) I mean, I'm not. I'm partly independent because I'm also a researcher for the Mayo Clinic, but what we have published got peer reviewed. So all the most of the studies that we have published got peer reviewed. If you go to the PN Medical uh, Breather University tab, go to the science blog, all the articles are in there with the references to the PubMed links to the original publications, uh, where they have been published, in which journals. Um, so it's all transparent. It's all out there. That's so that, that- there's I have also been uh, other research group which have used the breathers in their studies. Totally. We didn't even know about this. So th- that's on there as well. So uh, it's all on the PN Medical website, Breather University Science blog. You can find it there. No, that, that's very good. Very important as well. So, look, Nina, thank you very much indeed for chatting. Very interesting. And I think that could potentially help a lot of people. So many thanks. I think so as well. So 
thank you very much for having me, for giving me the opportunity to speak here. And I hope we'll, we're going to have a chat again. I'm sure we will. All right. Many thanks. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. A for horses, B for mutton, see more cheeks, dig for victory, E UK Health Radio and Health Triangle Magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle Magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at UKHealthRadio.com. T for two. The station that makes you feel good. So many thanks to Dr. Nina Balsak, CEO of Luft for Life and Chief Scientist at PN Medical, talking about breathing muscle exercises and uh, the breather device. And of course, a big thank you to you for listening. Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.